0: This week has been a heavy week, hasn't it? The news reporting on Russia invading Ukraine. We've seen videos of blown up buildings and fighter jets flying through the sky. And then reports of men who are saying goodbye to their wives and children as they stay in their homeland to Fight. We're reminded of the broken world in which we live. War is not a good thing. And we're promised in God's word that one day all wars will cease. But along with these reports, there are stories of Christians who are not fleeing, who are staying put in order to pray and serve the needs of their church and their communities for the sake of the gospel and the glory of God. It's evident that they are living in light of their future hope. That's what we've been talking about here, their future hope. If you want an example of sincere, earnest love that comes from a pure heart, take a look at the church in Ukraine right now. And as we consider their boldness and the love that they have for each other, our text today reminds us that this type of love is what God has called all believers to. So please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. And if you don't have a Bible, please feel free to grab one of the Bibles in the back of the pews there and turn to page 953. Again, it's 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is God's word. Let's pray. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed in your word and do what you have commanded. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, it's important for us to remember that the Apostle Paul is writing to believers who are suffering and going through various trials. And all throughout this letter, Peter does offer comfort to believers. But this letter is not just a letter of comfort. We saw last week, Peter transitions from laying out the comforting truths of the Gospels to how we should live in light of these comforting truths. In this letter, Peter gives marching orders on how a believer should live as a faithful follower of Jesus We're called to a life of holiness. And to be holy means to commit myself to living a life that rejects my own sinful way of living, the old sinful way in which I used to live and obeys God's commands, to live according to God's plan and his purposes. And even in times of suffering, God calls us to live this way. You know, and I know, that when things get difficult in our lives, we tend to think about ourselves, we get self-focused, and we forget about loving others, we neglect others. Even on our best days, we often struggle to love those around us. And what Peter is saying in this passage before us is that even in the darkest of days, God calls believers to love each other. And so the main point of the message this morning is this. The word of God is the source and sustenance of Christian love. The word of God is the source and sustenance of Christian love. And when I use the word word of God here, I I mean the gospel. In these verses, Peter uses phrases as the truth, uh, the living and abiding word of God, the word of the Lord, the pure spiritual milk. And what he's referring to is the gospel. And Peter commands believers to love one another. We cannot love one another the way that God has commanded us to without the saving work that God has done within us, in our lives, through the power of the gospel And we cannot continue to love the way that God has commanded us to without constantly feeding on the gospel. And so this word of God, the gospel, enables us to love, but it also gives us sustenance. We feed off of it so that we grow in our love. So the word of God is the source and sustenance of Christian love. And this sermon is going to be broken into three different sections. So in verse 22, we will see the gospel enables us to love. In verses 23 through 25, we will see the gospel motivates us to love. And in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we will see the gospel gives growth to love. All right, so first, the gospel enables us to love. Take a look at verse 22 having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. The main command in verses 22 through 25 is to love one another. That's the main command. Because these believers' souls have been purified by their obedience to the truth, their love for one another should be sincere, earnest, and pure, But what does Peter mean by having our souls purified by obedience to the truth? Well, Peter's talking about the salvation of his readers. When they first believed the gospel, the truth, when they responded in faith and repentance, this was their obedience to the truth. Obedience here refers to belief. And so when they believed in Jesus... Their souls were purified. When Peter uses the word purified, he means set apart or dedicated to God. And so those who identify with Jesus separate themselves from the world and dedicate themselves to God. They became aware of their sin. They were convicted of their sin. They confessed their sin. They repented and turned from their sin. They rejected their former ways of living and pursued lives of holiness, which results in brotherly love. A sincere and earnest love for others is a natural result of the gospel. The gospel is the source of Christian love. So when Peter says, you have been saved for a brotherly love, he's referring to a love for fellow believers. Obviously, the call for Christians is, definitely extends to all people, non-believers and believers. But here, Peter is specifically talking about that relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ. Since God has adopted us into his family, we are to live as obedient children loving our brothers and sisters. And it's possible that as Peter was writing this, he was reminded of that moment in John chapter 13, where he and the other disciples were with Jesus in the upper room. John chapter 13, verses 34 through through 35. Jesus says this to Peter, the other disciples a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you are also to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another as believers Jesus commands us to love one another and as he has loved us the way in which he loved us, we are to love each other. This is a sacrificial love. And the way in which the world around us knows that we are followers of Jesus is by the way that we love one another. But sadly, the world doesn't always associate God's people by the way that they love one another. The world often sees the church fighting within, right? Because we still struggle with sin in this life. And loving others doesn't come naturally. It takes work. All of us know people in our lives who are believers who are hard to love. Some of you are hard to love. We have been betrayed by people. We've been lied to. Loving others is hard, but we are commanded to love one one another earnestly with a pure heart. Not to just love the people you like and agree with, that's easy, but to love all those who you go to church with, to love all those who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, even the ones who are the most difficult to love we are to love one another. The world around us is marked by the love of self and the hatred toward others. And we're tempted to live that same way. But as Peter tells us in chapter 2, verse 1, as Christians, we are to put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Since our souls have been purified, since we have been separated, set apart from the culture and the lives that we used to live, we must seek to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Peter lays out three important qualities of Christian love in verse 22. Three important qualities of Christian love. We are to love sincerely, sincerely, We are to love earnestly. We are to love from a pure heart. Do you see those qualities listed in verse 22? To love sincerely is to not be hypocritical. Have you ever gone up to someone and said, hi, how are you? Or it's so great to see you when you really didn't mean it. You were just saying it to be nice. This is not sincere. We do it all the time. But that's not loving. Loving sincerely is not an act. It comes from a heart that's amazed of the fact that God would love sinners like us. So are you faking love with your brothers and sisters in Christ? We are to love sincerely and we are to love earnestly. To love earnestly means to love deeply or intensely as we in John 13, Jesus tells his disciples to love one another as he has loved us. This is a sacrificial love. Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself for us. We should love our brothers so that we give up ourselves for them. Our time, our energy, our resources. We should be actively looking for opportunities to love so my question, have you been proactive in loving others? Have you been earnest? We are to love sincerely, we're to love earnestly, but we're also to love from a pure heart. Love from a pure heart is love without mixed motives. We often act loving towards people because we know we're going to get something from them. I know I do that. When we do this, we're loving ourselves rather than that person. We are called to love from a pure heart. Romans twelve, nine through ten, the the Apostle Paul says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This kind of sacrificial love doesn't come easy. And it's impossible if the heart is not pure. And so we must pray like David in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. And this is not how the world loves, but this is how God commands us to love. Christian love is sincere. It's earnest, and it comes from a pure heart. And in verse 23, Peter explains the motive, the ability to obey this command to love one another. He says that it comes from our new birth. The command to love is rooted in God's saving work. And that brings us to the second section. The gospel not only enables us to love, the gospel motivates us to love. It's almost as if Peter anticipated his readers asking why they should love in the way that he commanded them. And so look at the text. Verse 22, Peter says, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. This is the second time Peter has brought up regeneration. Back in verse 3, Peter gave praise to the God. Who through his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The new birth. The new birth is not a physical birth. It's not a new physical birth. It's something that we experience. It's a spiritual birth. We go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. Those who have been born again have a new status of being a justified, adopted child of God. We're given new desires. We're given a new direction. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to know and enjoy the will of God. And so Peter's argument for us to love one another is because we have been born of God. Right? You see that in the text. He says, since we have been born again. Another great verse, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does does not love does not know God, because God is love. convicting, right? The reason you were born again is because of love. The love of God has been made manifest among us through the gospel. We were dead in our sins, unable to save ourselves. So God sent his only son into the world to save us from our sins and give us life. God first loved us and sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins, meaning he was the perfect sacrifice for our sin that turns away God's wrath. And so if God loved us that much to save us from the punishment we rightly deserved and causes us to be born again, to have new life, then we should love one another. God's love sets the standard for Christian love. Those who are born again love each other. This is our motivation, the gospel. The gospel is our motivation to love. And Peter expounds his thought by giving this illustration of seeds. Seeds possess within themselves the power to give life. And Peter tells us that there's two types of seeds. There's perishable seeds and then there's imperishable seeds. Perishable seeds produce life, but eventually that life expires. But imperishable seeds produce life, and that life lasts forever. So whatever is born of man is sure to die. But whatever is born of God is sure to live forever. Forever. So Peter reminds us that we were born again through this imperishable seed, through the living and abiding word of God. Through the gospel, we now have life that lasts forever. And this life is different from the life that we used to have. The new birth brings about a complete transformation of the person. We go from being godless, lawless, and selfish, to having genuine repentance, a love for God, and a love for each other. Peter continues this illustration of the seeds when he quotes Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8. Take a look at verses 24 and 25. Peter writes, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This illustration should be super clear to us who live here in the Midwest. Peter talks about the grass and the flower, right? The grass withers and the flower falls. Pretty soon, the snow outside is going to melt. And the temperature is going to rise. Spring will be here soon. And the grass is going to start growing again. And it's going to become that beautiful green that we always love seeing when we walk out in the morning. And along with that, the flowers are going to start blooming. Spring is such this beautiful moment of new life. Think about tulips. Tulips are like one of the first ones to pop up, right? They pop up, and they're beautiful. But soon after that, they die. And then a little bit after that, the fall comes. And the grass becomes brown and starts to wither. These things don't last. And Peter is saying all flesh, all of mankind, people and animals will wither, won't last Human life is brief. People will pass away like grass. And all glory, all human accomplishments will fall like the flower. These things are perishable. But the word of the Lord remains forever. In verse 23, Peter says that the word of God is living and abiding. It's not subject to decay or change. The word of the Lord remains forever. And so all those who are in Christ, who have been born again of that imperishable seed, the gospel, are given eternal life. What does Peter say at the end of verse 25? And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So here we have confirmation that this whole time, Peter has been referring to the gospel Peter believes that when Isaiah spoke and prophesied about the word of the Lord, he was referring to the gospel message that was fulfilled in Jesus. What Peter is saying is if you've been born again by the word and born to live out the word in your life, you've been born for a life of Christ-like love. all Christians have been born for a life of Christ-like love. This good news that was preached to us is that Jesus, out of the immense love that he has for us, took our sin and our shame and bore the punishment on the cross. It was love that brought Christ to earth. It was love that sent Christ to the cross. It was love that brought us this message. And it is because of love that we are redeemed. This should be what motivates us to love. We are called to love one another. The gospel not only enables us to love, the gospel not only motivates us to love, it also gives growth to love one another. Take a look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. The word so here in verse 1 is similar to that word therefore. It points back to what he's just said. Because we have a new life, We should get rid of these things in our lives that hinder us from loving others. The phrase put away is translated from a word that means to take off clothes that have become dirty. So we are to throw these behaviors off because they're inconsistent with the Christian life and they'll hinder our growth. And these things used to have control over us, we were slaves to sin. But now, because of our new life in Christ, we have the ability to throw these things off. And so Peter tells these believers, put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. These are all sins that are unloving and harm relationships. Malice, it's not a word that we often use, but it's similar to hatred. The malicious person desires to harm others. Deceit and hypocrisy are closely related. They both involve being dishonest by telling lies. The hypocrite either lies to protect or get something. They pretend to be something different than they really are, and their intentions are selfish. Envy is longing for what other people have. I'm guilty of that. Slander is the tool used To act out our envy. Slander spreads false rumors about others. Claiming to love fellow believers but gossiping about them, being jealous of them, is sin and it must be repented of. Love does not act from spite, it acts for the good of the other person. Love does not put a mask on for selfish motives, it's honest and open-handed. Love does not desire to be better than others and destroy others' reputations. It rejoices in the successes of others. So my question to you, Calvary, do you need to repent and seek forgiveness in ways that you've treated a brother and sister in Christ, either here at this church or someone that you know? We're called to love all who have been born again with a love that flows from the gospel. We are purified by the converting power of the gospel, but we also need to mature in our new lives in Christ. And so what will advance our growth? What will deepen our love for one another? Peter encourages all believers to long for the pure spiritual milk. He tells them to or crave this spiritual milk like newborn infants. He's not saying that his readers were infants in the faith. But this is a message to believers, both old and young, that like newborn babies who come out of the womb, who will kick and scream until they get milk, Our desire for the word of God should be the same. In other places in the New Testament, milk is used as this metaphor for teachings that are needed for immature Christians or worldly Christians. But this is not why Peter uses this word. Peter sees milk as something all Christians need in order to nurture their new life in Christ so that they will grow up into salvation so that they will mature spiritually. And so what is this pure spiritual milk? If we look at the context of the verses we've been covering, then this milk is none other than God's word. The gospel enables us to love, and it also nourishes us to grow in love. This is why the summary statement is, the word of God is the source and sustenance Christian love. And at the end of verse 3, Peter writes, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. This phrase comes from Psalm 34, verse 8. And he's basically saying, if you experienced God's goodness, then long for more. Long for more. Long for the pure spiritual milk of the gospel. There's more Peter wants his readers to crave the Lord Jesus by adopting attitudes and behaviors that will sustain the new life that they have in Christ. We long for the Lord when we get rid of the sin in our lives. When we turn from our sin and we repent, if we've tasted that he is good, then our lives will be lived in obedience to him. We will seek to live out his plan and purposes. See, the gospel changes everything. It changes us. The grace of God leads us to turn from our worldly passions, and it leads us to holiness as we're drawn in by Christ's love. Do you see what God is calling you to? We've been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've been made new. God has brought us into his family and given us brothers and sisters. Yeah, brothers and sisters that maybe wouldn't have, we wouldn't have chosen, but we don't get to choose our biological brothers and sisters either. But think about how many brothers and sisters we have here and all over the world The commonalities that we have. And because of this, we are called and we're enabled to love one another sincerely, earnestly, and from a pure heart. And so let us strive to love one another the way that God has commanded us to. Let us crave, let us desire more and more the word of God so that we grow in our love for him and for each other. And remember, we love because he first loved us. The word of God is the source and sustenance of Christian love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that often instead of loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, we talk behind their back. We're jealous of the things that they have or the things that they've done. Lord, we confess that we've been Hypocritical, acting the part of love with sinful motives. Father, we we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, we are thankful for the love that you've shown us by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. Lord, we're thankful for the new life that we have. We have tasted that you are good. We thank you for our new birth how you've changed us. We thank you for the gospel that enables us to love and also nourishes us in order to grow in our love for our brothers and sisters. Help us to love one another sincerely, earnestly, with a pure heart. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We pray that you would continue to give them boldness and strength to preach the gospel and to love one another deeply.